Welcome to Sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the Place of the Skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather, This man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, To fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, that you also may believe. For these things took place, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, 
who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen clothes with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. O Lord, have mercy on us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight, we come face to face with the darkness of death. This evening, the hammer slams down upon the nails, blood is spilt, and we hear the agony and the pain of Jesus. Furthermore, we will hear the jarring noise of that strepitous in our service, that loud bang that symbolizes the closing of the tomb, definitely showing us that Christ had been crucified, dead, and buried. Truly tonight, we come face to face with the darkness of death. Now, it would be easy to think that we are somehow trying to recreate a funeral this evening, the funeral service of Jesus. However, Jesus died some 2,000 years ago. No funeral is necessary. No funeral is needed. Indeed, his death was long ago. But your death, yes, your death and my death are much closer. Our deaths are not far away. Yes, darkness will soon come to each and every one of us. The darkness of death will come and it will cast its heavy shadow over top of you and me, enveloping us and pulling us to that cold, dark grave some six feet under. And so tonight we are before death. Yes, we are before death, and being before death, we must acknowledge that death, my friends, is our enemy. Death itself is our enemy. But don't we often hear that death is a natural thing of life? My friends, my friends think of this. Death is not natural. Indeed, death is not natural. Death is not the way things are supposed to be. We were not created for death. If Adam had not eaten of that forbidden tree, he would have been immortal. But instead, he ate from that tree, thus angering God and bringing the curse of death upon us all. But as you know, we humans try to remedy this curse of death. We do all sorts of things to distance ourselves from death and its effects. Just pick up any grocery aisle magazine and you will read about ways to reduce wrinkles, cover blemishes, regrow hair, take pills to increase energy, and have surgeries to make one look years younger. And then funerals. You would think that at funerals that there would be no way to escape death. My goodness, a casket is placed right before you are in the midst of death. But cleverly, we are told that we are not supposed to be sad. But that death is some sort of refuge in which we are shut up and preserved from the problems of life. Indeed, at funerals, we are told not to mourn. We are told not to be sad, but to celebrate and maybe even dance a jig. Tragically, when we are all done with our tactics, death 
Yes, death becomes tame, or so we think. Yes, after all of our strategies, we make death into a so-called friend, not an enemy. Dear friends, this way of thinking is pagan blindness. Indeed, it is pagan blindness. We do not ever defend evil. Death is not our friend, but our enemy. Death cannot be laughed off or tamed. Death is not an either-or option that we can choose or not choose in this life. We cannot, we cannot keep death at a distance. Bluntly stated, the only certainty in life is death. Sin has so completely ensnared us in death that we cannot be sure of our life for even one moment. I mean, think of this. At the time of our birth, nothing in life is certain except for the fact that we all end up in the grave, dead. And so, here we sit this evening. We sit in our pews as mortals. We sit in our pews as mortals tagged for death. We sit with the reality that there's nothing more powerful than death and that death is the biggest struggle that we will ever face and know in this life. And to increase the heavy burden even more, we remember that we are here in this service this evening face to face with another death, the death of Jesus. Now we may be tempted to look away from Jesus' death For our death is tough enough to contemplate the way that it is. In other words, we may want to distract ourselves and our eyes and our minds from that message of Good Friday. But we cannot. You see, we are baptized into Christ's death. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 6. Indeed, we are baptized into Christ's death. Dear baptized saints, we must never forget that the death of Jesus Christ is our death. On that cross, yes, we see the death of Jesus, but this is no ordinary death. It is not a death of a mere mortal on that cross, but instead it is our death that Jesus is dying. It is like this. Jesus, he knew no sin, therefore he cannot know death, but yet he died. But why did he die? He died because he knew our sin. He was made to be sin on our behalf, as the Apostle Paul says in Corinthians. Simply stated, if Jesus was on the cross for something that he had done, a wrong that he had committed, we could just shrug our shoulders and say, well, that is too bad, but I guess he got what was coming. And then we could go on our merry old way. But this is not the case. Jesus, he took your sin upon himself. And since death is that sting of sin, well, he felt the sting of death for you because of your sin. But in this death of Jesus, for you and for my sin, for your sin and my sin, something happened. Yes, something happened in this death of Christ. What happened? What's quite simple and yet profound. Full satisfaction for all of your sin was made. A full payment was made. Not with gold or silver, but with precious blood. A full payment was made to satisfy the guilt of your sin and mine as well. 
Therefore, because a payment was made for you and for me, we do not look away from the death of the Son of God. Oh no, we do not look away of the Son of God dying for us. And so what this means is that you and I are forever connected to Jesus' death. For at that cross, at that cross is where the full payment for all of our sin was made in complete, total fullness. Therefore, my friends, Good Friday is not just a one-time event that you and I recognize one time out of the year. But it is a reality for you every single day that you wake up. It is a reality for every single day that you wake up. In his death, Jesus, he purchased and won you from all of your sins, from death and the power of the devil. But you may say to yourself, well, we still die, do we not? Yes, we do, my friends. We still die. But because we are joined to Jesus and his death, our deaths that we will all experience someday, they become little. Yes, they become little because of Jesus' death. Dear baptized saints, listen closely. Listen closely. In Christ, you are prepared to die. Yes, you can calmly look at your death, the coming of your death, because you know that Jesus, who at the cost of his own life, he took away the sting of your death, which is your sin. He did that for you. So whenever you feel sorrow, whenever you feel doubt and fear, on account of your coming death, look into the darkness of Good Friday. Yes, look upon the cross of Good Friday, and there you will see against your sin, against the devil, and against death, and against the burdened conscience, you will see there one whom kills, one whom kills your sin, destroys the devil, conquers your death, and cleanses your conscience. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God, the Savior that you are joined to in your baptism. So tonight... We come face to face with the death of the Son of God. And as we consider Good Friday, we confess that Jesus gave himself into death so that he could bring us out of it. Yes, we have come face to face with the darkness of Good Friday. And tonight we will rise from our pews and we will go forward together as a church. We will go forward together towards Sunday, yes, Sunday, where we will hear so much more for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.